you're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Carolyn Orbell, and today I have a very special guest. I'm talking to Ron Fearing, who is the creator of Shamas. I'm so excited to have you on just because of how powerful Shamas was the experience for me. So Shamas is an ambient drone project based on natural tunings involving Tuvan throat singing, mm-hmm. mantra, Himalayan singing bowls, and synth soundscapes. And I had the opportunity to witness this amazing experience at Pepper Jam Yoga in Iron Mountain, Michigan. So thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me here. It's, uh, yeah. it's interesting enough, the show that you uh, were at, I was having some kind of, my jaw wasn't, uh, was like the muscles were spasming in it. So it was, uh, yeah, it was painful to say the least. But Oh whatever. my gosh, I would have never known. Well, once you kind of start doing things, um, the muscles loosen up a bit. And, but then later on that night, it uh, <laughs> yeah, ch- chickens came home to roost, so to speak, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Huh. So yeah, I'm glad that was uh, uh, glad that you were there. It's you know, yeah. it's it's been uh, yeah, it's been really enjoyable. You know, it's uh, kind of having this extension of my practice that's kind of come full circle into being. You know, the the musical aspect that I've always been drawn to ever mm-hmm. since I was a kid you know yeah I remember like some of my earliest memories of for some reason I can't remember how old I was I was quite young uh I was uh asleep in the back of my mom's car and there was a Fleetwood Mac song on and that song like kind of like folded into my dream at the time and I just even at that young of age, I was aware of just like this, this feeling of like, uh, or the connection with music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, throughout, uh, I guess, my, my life, even you know, high school, when I would hear certain songs, um, you know, I'd get that tingle feeling or whatever. And, um, you know, it could be anything like first time I heard ministry, or the first time I heard, uh, you know, specific symphony like the one that really does it for me is uh oh geez it's the it's in the movie platoon i'm dating myself okay it's um oh i can't remember the the score but uh interesting enough is my wife met a guy who almost died from malaria and he was in a coma for like for a few weeks and that um that song or that piece when he heard it like it snapped him back into this realm where he was having these experiences uh you know as he was in a coma yeah uh, at the end maybe i'll share a story that's that's uh if we have enough time yeah um, that's kind of like uh almost like uh, pigtails off of that but anyways interesting. Uh, yeah I guess we could you know <laughs> get some let's questions. get started yeah so yeah. you 
talked about how you've always loved music, but when did you first discover your own meditation practice? Um, so uh, I was, you know, it was probably when I just started working for the federal government, um, mid thirties. Okay. Um, I kind of, in a way I was really kind of heavy into um, conspiracy theories, stuff like, mm. you know, watching movies like Zeitgeist and, Wow. You know, a lot of that 9-11 stuff was going on at the time. And then my bandmate was really into, you know, a lot of, he was really, he would talk a lot about Masons and, you know, cults and da 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 And, you know, he had a, just a plethora of books. And I found myself in a really kind of a bad, stressed out spot mentally. And it wasn't healthy. And that's why I guess that's one piece of advice I could give to anyone, especially nowadays, there's a lot of that conspiracy stuff is put it down and walk away because it's not healthy, right? You're, you're causing the stress and you're causing your body or your, your energy, you know, to vibrate in a bad way. And in a way you could say it's intentional, but that's a different thing. So Mm -hmm. one of the books he borrowed me was breaking open the head by, I believe it's, uh, I think his first name is William Pinchbeck. I know Pinchbeck is his last name. So this book um, was this guy's own spiritual journey, but looking into um, psychedelics uh, associated with indigenous uh, cultures. Okay. And one of the uh, people he was speaking to was uh, Rick Strassman. I think it's Dr. Rick Strassman, but Rick Strassman was the first uh, scientist ever to get an FDA approved clinical study using uh, dimethyltryptamine in a clinical sense. Okay. Um, and there was this piece of, when he was talking, it was people, someone said that it was almost like they were communicating. I, I, I don't know if I'm paraphrasing wrong, but it was basically in essence communicating with God. And for me, mm-hmm. there was always this kind of draw, you know, coming from a Catholic background, um, you know, the spiritual side of me was always kind of there, but coming from a mm-hmm. Catholic background, I was just kind of like, you know, I'm like, I get this, you know, all the, the but it just, it, to me, it, it was too um, um, subsurface, right? It didn't, it didn't mm. touch enough of how, where I wanted to go with it. Yeah. And so about one thing he said within there, he goes, my, my, Dr. Rick Strassman said, one of my biggest regrets is not preparing people spiritually for this experience. Ooh. So based on that, I was like, okay, well, maybe the, maybe I need because I'd taken some psychedelics you know in just kind of a playful sense you know as most do in your early 20s and so I was like okay well I want to prepare myself for this Mm. and that started the journey but (laughs) what I yeah what I always tell people is is the meditation actually became that was actually uh the meditation was the key not the the journey to wanting to have the psychedelic experience is the key, not the, yeah. not the potential end state. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, especially when I listen to Sadhguru talk, he's like, you know, mm-hmm. people are smoking this and people are dropping this and blah, blah, blah. And believe me, that's a whole nother subject. Uh, I, I just don't even want to get into, but basically yeah. what he's saying is you're, we're the greatest chemical factory mm-hmm. you know, that's ever been created. Mm-hmm. Right. And you yeah. can get to these places through uh, meditation, meditative states. And one of the most profound things that happened to me, which really sparked uh, creating this meditative music, you know, uh, some time ago was um, starting to understand and study um, um, astral projection or out of body uh, experience practices. Yeah. And 
basically you're working with the the energy of your pranic energy, the tantric energy, however you want to refer to it. But um, understanding, connecting to that that consciousness, which is really energy, and mm-hmm. understanding that the energy of consciousness is fluid, right? Like your awareness isn't isn't tied to a material this dimensional state, right? Yeah. And understanding that was a huge, <laughs> it changes the game on like how you can work with music and, yeah. and help people get to these meditative states. Because like with any experience, once you have the experience, you've built those neural connections, right? Those neural pathways are, are built. And the more that you do it, they become hardened pathways and you're able to get there easier. Hmm. So, you know, it was kind of like, that's, that's where the practice kind of get, get stronger and stronger and really kind of, you know, working with different types of uh, mantra and meditation. And, you know, it's been kind of a, a trial and error, but I think I've kind of found uh, what I like to do. So for me, cool. my daily practice is roughly about half hour to uh, 30 minutes of uh, just asanas, right? Okay. Um, and then uh, go to my uh, go to my mat and or my yoga cushion, whatever, which yeah. is literally is the so I got my all my instruments on one side and I just sit on the other side and do my meditation. <laughs> cool. So so I started with about um, six cycles because uh, everything in three, six, and nine. So yeah. you look at a lot of mantra; it's usually doing threes or you know or yeah. hundred and eight, right? The hundred and eight resolves to all that. Yeah. Um, so I'll do like six cycles of the, uh, uh Buddham Saranam Gachami, um, and which is a very, uh, kind of relaxing mantra. And then I'll do, um, about roughly about 10, 12 minutes of the Isha Kriya. Okay. And then I just segue into, uh, mindful meditation, which is basically, uh, just awareness at the breath and then just kind of not drawing in so tight where you don't have the peripheral awareness um and just so basically it's about 45 minutes to an hour of that whole process that's very cool yeah what is your favorite mantra i feel like everyone has a favorite Mm, buddham saranam gachami is definitely my favorite just because of what it really invokes yeah um and then um uh what's the what's the other one um i think it's uh shri anantaha i think is uh the name of it um just just the way it's kind of formed vocally yeah um because i believe every mantra you know it's uh it can it it depends on how you deliver it but it really depends on how you're connecting to it right Mm -hmm. so when i sing mantra i try to when i first learn it i look at the words and its meaning and then I just try to connect to that meaning because mostly even with like so was the, when I was talking about the astral projection stuff, yeah. all that is intention, right? You basically huh. throughout the day are saying these intentions like tonight I'm going to have an out-of-body experience or tonight. I'm, and wow. it's what you're doing is you're, you're setting your, your intention, your focus and huh. your mind and your awareness knows what you're doing, right? It just has to re-remember you know, from past lives when you were potentially higher intellect or higher consciousness or, you know, yeah. everyone's different. So cool. So it's really about attaching to the intention of it. So. When you lead, when you 
perform? Do you have to set an intention as a performer as well? Um, I usually try to say just a little prayer before, but okay. for me, it's really just kind of uh, just losing myself to to that space, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, like, um, you know, when I was doing a lot of the, like the one you were at, I was doing more of the chakra uh yeah. intention so what i would do so we at each energy meridian i would focus on that starting the meditation mm-hmm. as it flows up and then i would try you almost envision envision that uh that awareness kind of expanding to uh, encompass the room you know i would even do things like it's interesting like say if i was getting a massage i would mm-hmm. actually try to connect with the massage therapist like almost like have this because the whole idea of your awareness is, is your awareness expands. I mean, it can, it can become outside of your material state. And there's many different mm-hmm. uh, philosophies that attach to that. But yeah, so when I perform, it's really about just being in that space necessary and uh, just falling away for a while, you know, connecting yeah. to the music and, and to the room and, you yeah. know, hopefully help, help people help themselves have an experience in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how you're from Wisconsin. Nope, I was Minneapolis. No, you're from Minneapolis. You live in Wisconsin. Nothing against people from Wisconsin, but I'm from Minneapolis. <laughs> Does Especially, that mean you're a Vikings fan? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not a, really a sports fan. Um, I played <laughs> sports when I was younger, but uh, um, the whole idea of Prince. Yeah. I mean, yeah. From the city and all the great music that, you know, yeah. and all, and all mm-hmm. the, you know, my years as a Minneapolis musician playing at 7th Street Entry and First Avenue. And, cool. you know, I was lucky enough to open up for bands like, you know, all these great, uh, like Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. And, wow. and the first time Rage Against the Machine came to Minneapolis, my band was actually headlining the room next door and getting wow. to see these great bands, That's like cool. seeing Tool when like no one even heard of them or Alice in Chains. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, I'm dating yeah. myself. I graduated in 91, right? Okay. So, but cool. I'm, a, you know, uh, I would say I'm a rock musician kind of at heart. You know, I still huh. love, I still love metal music. You know, I see yeah. some great metal bands. Um, yeah. I would even, I would even add to that one of the most meditative uh, frontmen would be the lead singer of Gojira, which I would consider them like eco metal. Have you ever heard Gojira? Mm-mm. French metal band, super cool. heavy, super, super tight. Um, but their, their lyrics and this guy, like the lead singer, he just goes and disappears off in a cabin, like meditates. And he's just like super like eco warrior. He's doing cool. a bunch of stuff with, you know, with these Amazonian tribes and, wow music is music you you connect to it it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter what it is yeah Yeah. so i taught yoga in the midwest um Mm -hmm. in green bay and Mm -hmm. i noticed that some people were more resistant to meditation and the Mm -hmm. spiritual side of Mm -hmm. yoga Mm -hmm. what is it like bringing in sound meditation to a place where people might not really be open to it or they're nervous what is that experience like well typically you know if they're inquisitive enough they'll mm. just they'll show up mm. and typically what i see is you know like my first show somewhere you get like an overabundance of people like really fired up mm. um and which is great 
Um, and I had someone ask me this question once, uh, one of my last shows, They're like, hey, so how often should we do sound meditation? And I said, you know, I said, I go, sound meditation is, is, is different for everyone. And I always tell them like, you know, cause sound meditation is a very popular word nowadays. And I get it. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, this is, this is where we're at. Um, but I, when I talk to people, I usually like, you know, I'm a yogi who's a musician and this is an extension of my practice. The idea is to help you find your meditative space. And so what I was telling this, this lady was like, you know, the idea for me to do this is for you to have a potential experience within this meditative space and for you to be intrigued enough to approach us on your own. Because okay. we're, we're in this kind of generation where it's like everyone wants, no, I shouldn't say everyone, but there's an inkling that, you know, instant access, whether it be, and I apologize for the trucks here, no, that's instant okay. access to whatever you're, is in your peripheral, right? Yeah. And I tell, I always tell them like, I want you to sit on the mat and meditate. And, you know, I always sometimes usually say is, um, uh, the Dalai Lama says that if you taught every child uh, to meditate, there'd be an end of war within a single generation. Because wow. the meditation, once you do that inward work, yeah. right? It's, it's, I always call it as the, is there, you spare yourself no more bullshit. It's because Ooh. the eyes turned in on yourself and you can't, you can't, you can't uh, turn away from it anymore. You can't, yeah. cause you know, it's very easy for us to be like, ah, pish posh, you know, but when yeah. you connect to that inner awareness, mm. it changes the game. And wow. that's why I, I do this is because, you know, uh, be the change you want to see in the world. Right. Mm. So, you know, if you offer someone something where they can have this experience, you know, yeah. then that just cascades. So, and you know, and I, what I get out of it is I'm, I'm a musician, so I love it. Yeah. So, yeah, but you know, there have been definitely moments where people have sent me stuff uh, as far as like uh, people were tracking sleep. And one thing I found mm. the most interesting is people have had like traumatic, traumatic uh, head injuries and they're oh. tracking their sleep. And a day after meditation, they just have these really good uh, sleep cycles. And I, I basically tell them, well, what's happening is this, what I've designed, what I've done or what I've created is intentional, right? Mm -hmm. There is, there is a scientific backed studies that have guided not only just scientific, but esoteric and myst yeah. mystical and very, very, very validated um, um, archetypes and math behind it, you know, that guided this decision. So the idea is really engaging you as a physical material self and causing you to vibrate at a natural state and what ends up happening is when you vibrate at that natural state you know this this awareness starts to starts to heal itself because when you get out of a vibrational state it's unhealthy it truly mm. is you know mm. everything sense. is energy you can look oh. at any any of the great great minds tesla einstein yeah you know, it goes on and on uh, you know um it just yeah it's the evidence is there it just depends if the western mind decides to look at it deep enough and you know to even add a point to your question you're asking what's what was what's it like to uh um have people that are kind of hesitant or pull back yeah. from this whole meditative aspect yeah. and interesting enough last week you know because i go through uh google and i look for yoga studios when i'm setting up tours yeah 
and there was a studio where the lady, the owner was, you know, very like intentional in saying her piece is like, I'm not going to convert you to Buddhism or Hinduism or no woo woo, mm. just yoga, you know, da da da. It's just like in the back of my mind, like kind of like this, this, this kind of like felt not only as there's anger, but this irritation. It's just like, yeah, it's just very like, you know, how Western or how convenient to just take, take just what you want from something and call it that, but then completely in a way, you know, in a way, just kind of dismiss offhandly dismiss these aspects. It's like, how can you dismiss Hinduism? I mean, Hinduism <laughs> yeah. was where this all came from. And I, I fully believe that some, you know, whether it be um, um, Sumerian, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Black Sea Scrolls and Sanskrit and all this. I mean, these yeah. are ancient, 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 you know, uh, uh, technological, yogic mm-hmm. technologies, right? Yeah. That have made it into Western culture. So mm-hmm. I think if you, me personally, I think is if, people are going to approach yoga they should it's just my feeling i teach their own yeah. but the from what i came to understand is if you're going to approach yoga approach yoga with the open mind hmm. and and let it take you where it needs to don't yeah. don't build roadblocks for yourself just based on predisposition or social media posts or mm-hmm. someone else's idea right yeah uh, you know, these are ancient um sciences that you know luckily enough made it into uh our new western civilization right yeah that's really important that's a that's a whole that's a whole nother (laughs) i mean we could go on and on oh my gosh there's so much there's so much discussion now in the yoga community about that and Mm -hmm. cultural appropriation and just i think for me my personal philosophy is to teach so much more than the asana And that is what's so focused on is how you look when you're doing a pose rather than like the energy body, the spirit body, everything deeper within as you go about your entire day. So I think we have that in common where there's so much more and Mm -hmm. so many people get stuck on that top layer. And it's like, once you dive deeper into that yogic philosophy, that's, that's really where the magic happens. For sure. I agree. I hundred percent agree. I mean, I'd even just stay steal some words from uh, uh, Sadhguru's playbook is, yeah, you know, yoga means union, right? It's the yeah. yoga is, is getting the body and back into its universal harmonics, right? Through the physical movement, which mm-hmm. gets you ready for the actual sitting mm-hmm. part of it. So, yeah. But again, teach your own. It yoga yeah. for me started uh, going to hot uh, uh, core power hot yoga with my okay. wife. Oh. and uh, you know and just kind of doing that and really enjoying it but then yeah you know stemming into meditation so yeah uh, the path leads are the path leads let's break down your sound meditation a little bit so sure. you combine tuban throat singing mm-hmm. with mantra with himalayan singing bowls and synth soundscapes mm-hmm. so how did it come to your mind to bring all of this together um well so um when i was talking about that uh, yeah. uh the astral projection work so there was a guy his name is uh robert oh man i can't remember his last name he created an institute yeah and i'm pretty sure he created hemisync okay. the idea is the binaural right the so i love binaural beats so like oh. so what he did is he the 
at the back of the book, there was these pre-recorded sounds that would that would do this this binaural stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But I found it sometimes is it was quite disturbing, right? Mm-hmm. Just just kind of like very almost in a way kind of like whoa, that's just that just doesn't sound healthy or yeah. or even like pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of came out of this idea in one of the chapters. This guy was talking about ohm. And so, mm-hmm. okay, well, what is ohm? What is as a musician, as a network engineer, I'm like, okay, let's break this down. What's the frequency of ohm? Okay, mm-hmm. well, if that's the frequency of ohm, what's that based off of? And huh. it really came down to um, I started looking into Himalayan singing bowls, and uh, this guy, <laughs> so bad with names right now. Okay. He did. He did a study. Jamie. Jamie Butriff. Jamie Butriff. Okay. So, very very smart guy. Very very smart engineer guy. And he broke down these tunings off this single album of these Himalayan singing bowls, and he broke it down into the math behind the tunings. And it, oh. and so you start looking at these tunings. And so most music nowadays is tuned to A440. And there's probably okay. going to be musicians out here are going to be like, oh my God, A440 versus A432. So all that means is the high A mm-hmm. is either 440 hertz or 432 hertz. Okay. 432 hertz kind of ties more, more into uh, Pythagoras's uh, tuning. So when Pythagoras yeah. came up with the tuning scale, he was looking at heavenly bodies and, and making mm-hmm. tunings off that. So Jamie Butriff did this independent study where he played these Himalayan bowl tunings that he correlated to each chakra mm-hmm. um, with kind of blind, uh, um, just basically volunteers. And then they did wow. these, uh, I think it was EMF, where they basically can look at the the gases in the body and, and, and all these electrical aspects of the human body and heat, heat sensors. Mm-hmm. And they were told to play these Himalayan bowl tunings, you know, a specific increment, you know, throughout a couple of weeks or something. So they did scans throughout this and they noticed that the scans, the heat signatures started calming, going to calming colors. Ooh. And so I was like, cause I was already focused in on a Himalayan bowl, but I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to really like, you know, put, put some time and effort and you got to keep in mind, this is from there to here is probably seven years wow. of, you know, buying and studying and learning. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, this is the tuning I want to use. Uh, I started using uh, tuning uh, um, A432, but I was using um, um, Pythagorean A432, which, so Pythagorean A432 is pure, right? Mm-hmm. So one thing about most music is if you're, say if you're tuning a piano, typically mm-hmm. they'll turn it, tune it a little dissonant. So if you're doing okay. using dissonant, that's going to be A432 equal temperament or chromatic. So that dissonance, that little bit of off, it gives it that really kind of cool warmness, whereas pure Pythagorean A432 just sounded weird because I had a German friend who was composing in that. It just sounded, just didn't seem huh. warm. And I was always Ooh. this whole time, you know, I was using my body as kind of like, you know, how does that sound? You know, because I can feel it when, I, when it feels right. Yeah, that's, that's it. So, huh. so I basically started acquiring bowls. Um, okay. 
and these bowl manufacturers are probably going crazy because I'm like, I want this tuning. And I really didn't know a lot about the, the primary and the secondary because yeah. here's the great thing about Himalayan singing bowls is they typically have a, a fundamental and mm-hmm. then a secondary. So you have the fundamental, which is the lower octave and the secondary is typically two or three octaves higher. Cool. But if you get the right bowls, they're going to be a fifth. Well, so if you look at fifths, fifths are uh, uh, harmonic fifths are scattered everywhere in mysticism, whether it be Hinduism, uh, yin and yang, how it ties Greek philosophy. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. So these, wow. this fifth is a really pure harmonic, right? Yeah. So if you get a good bowl, you're, you can, they, it's a, it's a chord, right? Cause it's two mm. notes, but then there's a bunch of semitones mm. or if you get a really good bowl, then you can isolate it, right? Just by oh. playing techniques. So oh. I built my whole library of the Himalayan singing bowls. Yeah. And then I started uh, working with them using uh, um, sympathetic resonance with my own uh, chakras, right? Okay. So part yeah. of the, part of the practice of the um, uh, astro, uh, out of body experience practice was mm-hmm. you stir or brush your energy meridians. There's a way you can actually mm-hmm. like put your intention there and get them to move. So what I would do is while I was playing these bowls, I would get them to uh, sympathetically resonate with my, with energy meridians. So yeah. as I go up the, up the chakras, each bowl, I would test it out that way. And then I kind of, you know, cycled some in and out and that, you know, just doing the bowls, I did like a show with it. And I was like, "Ah, just, it's just not there. There's something missing. Mm. And I was already kind of like wanting to learn how to throat sing. Okay. And that's a whole process. Yeah. I was wondering about that. (laughs) So that was next. Right. So (laughs) I heard, you know, I was really into uh, Guillaume and Guillaume, which are tibetan monastic tradition like the very the baritone stuff like you heard yeah which within tuva is called kagara kagara simply means the voice when you're sitting in front of the mountain you know this is the voice of the mountain wow and so it's more of a deep baritone can you do it right now or do you have to like warm up mm, yeah I've okay i was wondering and, yeah, that's okay no that's yeah, good yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know yeah it's i and to, to me it's kind of like i it takes I like to be in that that space. Oh yeah, so, the but, intention. So I hope I don't make you feel bad by saying no. No, no. Yeah. I I was a trumpet player in high school, mm-hmm. so and I had the worst embouchure. Like I could not. It took me forever to warm up. So I get it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You sit with it. And oh like, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and then you you actually need something to to uh, like a, a note to like okay that's oh. my note right and then you find a pitch so Interesting. an additional thing when i was talking about the fifths yeah so this whole thing of this idea of the fifth these harmonic fifths was an a432 built everything so mm. when you look at tube and throat singing especially like kargara yeah what's interesting is when you're singing that note or whatever the fundamental is that mm. other note is a fifth just okay. by your body's physiology right huh. you you really don't have, you have a little bit of control what that secondary note is, but just yeah. naturally when you're singing that, it's a fifth, right? You're, you're creating a chord. What you're hearing is like actually like a, a, this voice, but then these vocal folds are causing that real baritone. Yeah. Right. It's coming. Which from that's the- a gift. I mean, 
when you hear his work and I'm hoping in the part two of this, you'll be able to hear the baritone noises, but it's just, it's incredible. It gets the noises you can make. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's myths that they've even, that they even say is, you know, sometime the um, Tibetan monks with a field of gala of all the monks, you know, drums and horns that they could actually cause rocks to levitate, you know, take that for what it is, but. Do you believe it or no? Yes, I actually do. Oh, you do? I actually do. I think because, and this is where you're really getting some really crazy because you can't prove it because our Western science hasn't even been able to grasp things like the Giza pyramid and and how that was built. And that's, to be honest, if we really want to look at a source for inspiration and understanding the power of sound, it'll blow your mind. Like I've lost, I've lost my mind in many hours, like uh, reading people that are reversed engineer to try to reverse engineer those structures and sound and numbers are all over that place yeah like this one guy wrote that basically the giza power plant was uh function or or, uh, it's inertia with sound we're using schumann's resonance right like Mm -hmm. being able to do in sympathetic resonance with the actual the 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 um, harmonics of the earth which is like 7.5 hertz and what's interesting mm. is the human body actually uh, is believed to resonate like 7.2 hertz okay right so everything is sound right yeah this is back to my big arc like i said when i tell something it's a big arc. <laughs> i like it it's good it's so, good <laughs> so yeah so then the tube and throat singing and then i got yeah. the shruti box which uh yeah. i had custom made for me in a432 <sighs> And that's basically allows me to do other lower octave fifths, right? Yeah. And it adds that little extra atmosphere. And huh. then I was, you know, I did, I toured a bunch uh, just doing Himalayan singing bowls and mostly just throat singing and then the Shruti. And I just felt yeah. it, I needed to, it needed to change. And, you know, that's when I started playing with a sitar player mm-hmm. and, um studied with a hindustani vocal teacher for about a year you know i was trying to learn rag but the rag didn't really sit with me it didn't go deep enough spiritually for me and so then he taught me some mantra and i kind of like started adding that and with i was already kind of already building synth soundscapes for um uh for a movie that i wrote the soundtrack for wow um, it's on the website. So I wrote an cool. uh, hour long um, uh, soundtrack for a back backcountry uh, snowboarding movie. Cool. And so I was already kind of like writing a bunch of composing a bunch of music uh, wow. on the side, right? Yeah. So with the synth soundscapes, I was able to kind of create these these drone layers, like if you listen to Hindustani rag, like there's a lot of drone layers going on, typically like the tempura or the sitar, mm-hmm. right? And and even like within the music that I like, typically in the background, if you just like sit with, if you listen to Nine Inch Nails or, mm-hmm. you know, all these kind of industrial bands, there's usually something sitting back there that's moving, mm-hmm. right? It's not, okay. it's not the front, but it's kind yeah. of dancing around the peripheral. And it just kind of grabs you. And that's was the m- melodic aspect that I was looking for. Like yeah. I wanted there to be some kind of drony movement 
that that I love and inspired yes. me to kind of like okay this inspires me to sing with this and let the emotional aspects really start to to pop out yeah Especially with like the mantra like you know mm-hmm. there's been times where I like have to stop because there's tears are starting to come out I'm like okay you know get get back get back there bud yeah <laughs> but I mean that's, that's the idea is connecting with wow. melody and just kind of yeah. you know creating this ambient and you know soundscape yeah. And, yeah, it's kind of where I'm at now, and um, just fine-tuning um, uh, the music for the next tour um, starting okay. up. Probably won't play as much this year, okay. um, but, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll do some stuff in Wisconsin and Michigan and Minnesota. Yeah. Cool. Maybe I kind of want to, um, kind of getting in the mood for doing a little uh, uh, snowbirding, so I want to go Ooh. with my wife out cool. to, like, Santa Cruz and because yeah. I can work remote, so I kind of oh, nice. want to go to Santa Cruz and maybe try to do some shows there. And, yeah. Well, if you ever come to Salt Lake, let me know. Yeah. That yeah, would be cool. for sure. Yeah. I got some of that. Actually, I know that 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 lives in Salt Lake. That. <sighs> yeah, he's from Wisconsin too. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's awesome. This is. I mean, so did I answer your question, or did I? Yeah. Just, okay. No, you. I, totally I wanted to give did. you a good answer. No, that is yeah. a good answer. And a book. No, I love it. I love it. I'm, I have so many thoughts in my head right now. Cause I well, go with love the first this one. subject. So I'm like, Oh, so, okay. This isn't, this is an interesting question, but I have gotten into Reiki and energy work lately. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I noticed that there's one chakra of mine that is always really stubborn and always out of alignment. So I'm okay. curious with your deep introspection with music and just the singing bowls tuned to your chakras. Mm-hmm. Do you have a stubborn chakra that is always like <laughs> just struggling? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, um, hmm. I would have to say, I don't know if it's stubborn, but it's one I always try to connect to more than others, and it's the heart chakra. Okay. Um, but I kind of, you know, to be honest, like I, I've kind of have. Uh, uh, ins and outs and kind of looking at the, my own kind of view of that in my practice with it. And it's just, I don't know if, uh, if I'm learned enough to say, if that's the right word, yeah. uh, if uh, to be able to a, even give advice, B, yeah. even maybe, maybe even my practice towards it is, is incorrect. It's interesting. Huh. You say that like, in the moving, moving with that, it's like, you know, you and I have talked about the Sutguru and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I feel like in a way, um, it may or may not be time for me to get some type of guru as far as like steering, you know, mm. this understanding we're just talking about now, like chakras yeah. and, you yeah. know, truly you know what is the right way if you're going to connect to it is there mm. you know i you know i definitely work with you know uh, invoke the mantras and and in that aspect and yeah it's 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 really interesting you know mm. when i really look at it though is so when i start my meditation as before as i was talking about going through these different cycles before i start the third part yeah i actually will breathe through each chakra Okay. And then breathe up, up the, the shushumna, right? Yeah. Breathe in through the chakra, up through shushumna. And I'll just kind of yeah. do just eat one full breath in. And that's okay. just me of like trying to just do an intentional kind of clearing. 
mm, you know okay. connecting to it to it that way you mm. know um but as far as chakras go I, f- I feel that if there's an awareness about them and if you feel mm. something some kind of blockage i think it's important to look at that chakra and really what it connects to the physical aspects of it right like mm-hmm. uh, you know as far as like what organs are connected to it okay mm-hmm. well that's the organ aspect what, what ties to the diet with those organs okay mm-hmm. did we look at that oh okay well then let's look at the actual um human emotional aspect to it and how are you connecting to it how are you connecting mm-hmm. to it within your life like when you're operating in this this human realm right mm-hmm. how are you connecting to other people with that because uh, there was someone, I can't remember the guru was talking about, he said, you can meditate on your chakras all you want, but if you don't put it in practice, it doesn't do any good. Right? Oh, I love that. You know, yeah. you really, it's <sighs> it's about putting things into practice, understanding and then putting mm-hmm. into practice. Same yeah. thing in meditation. You yeah. Know, you can meditate your, your, your hiney. And that's why I was laughing <laughs> when, they, when they have these movies of like these evil, evil person or whatever, and they, they start them out like sitting on a meditation mat. And yeah. Then they go out and they just do pure evil. I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. Let's have a talk with that, that screenwriter. How much, how much are they smoking? Right. I love that. That's so yeah, anyways, interesting. Yeah, so. Huh. So you mentioned Sadhguru. Can you explain who he is to people who probably have never heard of him before? Yeah. So from my, he's an interesting character in that. <laughs> I love him. Uh, He's awesome. <laughs> yeah, just you know how he is in the kind of the no the no not the no BS aspect to him, but yeah. he drives the point home. It's yeah. just like, hey, you know, these are the these are the points, and these are this is how you should approach it. Um, mm. It's your choice or not how you want to be in this world. Do you want to be angry by someone, or do you want to understand why you're angry? Mm-hmm. what is your practice like well here's a practice and here's my website with all these these as he calls them tools you know yeah. and just all the people that are behind him and in his yeah. path as far as like questioning like when he when he talked about when he was a child where he questioned everything like he was huh. like you know he was talking about and it was interesting because uh and i've kind of had a um i used to listen to joe rogan a lot oh yeah uh, but I kind of, I, I kind of don't as much anymore just cause I, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of the same well, actually. When he, yeah. <laughs> but believe me, he, he is a, a great person and his approach, just the subject matter sometimes is just not really what I'm into. But mm-hmm. when he had Sadhguru on there, that was the first time I felt like someone had ever challenged him to Ooh. really think for himself and the questions he would ask Sadhguru a question. The Sadhguru would answer and wait and see if the answer hit. And he would ask him a question again. Well, what are these tools? Sadhguru would answer again. So when he was talking about when he was a child and this idea of him questioning everything, like even having conversations and just, you know, how that kind of came about. But I would consider him, you know, like a a a yogi of like almost like a, because he really talks about the power of the Himalayas a, a bit. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a yogic tradition that is specific to the Himalayas, mm-hmm. you know, whether if you want to be talking about uh, Tibetan Buddhism, yeah. Hinduism, you know, I was even watching a, 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 a movie where they were talking about uh, ancient uh, Tibetan yogis. Okay. And they're mm-hmm. just planted 
in in the Himalayas. All right, there is this an energy there, and even mm-hmm. Sadhguru talks about there's an energy in some places of the Himalayas. But okay, yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing as far as his background and yeah, you know, and then how his whole experience you know inspired him to oh my god you know just what he was talking about when he was meditating and just every pore is dripping ecstasy and how he like oh my gosh i need to tell the whole world about this and he's like yeah and i was like 40 years ago here i am now i'm still but you know all the things he's done you know with like you know he's got these all these programs and feeding homeless people and just you know yeah you know i you you just can't you can't find anyone more to me more relevant now and more important for mm-hmm. you know inspiring you know multiple generations multiple yeah. generations hmm. and it's just yeah it's uh he's an inspiring individual and, and it based off a very very strong yogic um uh yogic science you know yeah. he's a big he's a big fan of you know or not a big fan but a big talks about these yogic sciences and he's just you know so eloquent and Mm. Yeah. yeah inspiring guy yeah man guru whatever your person <laughs> yeah. yeah i yeah. i even so told some people like i consider him the uh the the jesus of our time and hopefully i'm Ooh. not i'm not trying to upset any uh christian people out there yeah. i feel that every every time period has an individual that is sending the same message of connecting huh. to the divine yeah. You know, connecting in a way, even some people, some people traced, they did some really good research where they traced actually these years that Jesus disappeared, that okay. quite possibly he was studying um, in some type of Buddhist form, right? If you want oh. to call it Buddhism or whatever, right? It's, yeah. It's, Buddhism is even older than Buddha, but it just wasn't yeah. called Buddhism, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's, it's this mysticism of this this science of of this awareness of this cosmic energies right that probably for many years has had many labels yeah and these like people like Sadhguru and jesus and and buddha and you know all it's it's we are not the first civilization has worked with us and you know there were civilizations quite older than than us that have known about these even at, at a wow. much greater extent and that's almost yeah. a whole other podcast <laughs> you know it's just a rabbit hole that's just yeah you know, it's just, yeah, it's, Interesting. yeah it's such an inspiring subject but if you really yeah. want to understand more like i would say like dive into some of the mysticism around uh the giza plateau and mm. the alignments there and yeah hmm. cool so from our conversation, you obviously have a love of learning and studying new things and just constantly developing who you are. What are you learning now? To be honest, well, I got two, I got two realms. I'm a very, uh, uh, I like to mountain bike and like oh, downhill yeah. mountain bike, like, okay. like hit big gap jumps and mountain cool. and backcountry ski. So oh, cool. right now, uh, on that aspect i'm just trying to learn 
uh, was we, me and my buddy called uh, making shapes. All it is is just you're hitting a jump and you're doing something cool, or whatever. Yeah. Right? So, so that's what I'm trying to learn in that aspect. But I love then, that. Yeah, yeah. My but my boyfriend's a big mountain biker, so yeah, I love I, that. Yeah, yeah. It's I think it, to me it's to me it's the yin and the yang of who I am. Like, you know, I'm, huh. it it. Uh, so I'm a very um, you know meditation has helped me, but I'm very um, upsy downsy right okay. like i need a physical outlet to huh. get my get my uh body chemistry where it needs to be right Got before I meditation like even before i had snowboarding you know mm. uh, a seasonal depression was was the real deal yeah. but uh, but yeah what am i learning now outside of that you know I'm always learning something with work right but just yeah I, but really right now like just learning this this um writing to me composing is always a new mm -hmm. way of learning right you, because you're you're composing something mm -hmm. it starts out with an idea mm -hmm. and then the more and more you perform it it create it almost becomes like second nature so that's how i always kind mm -hmm. of like look at the path of learning so really mm -hmm. for me it's the composing is is what i'm learning right now as far as like new yeah. songs yeah. okay hmm. so yeah and singing singing oh. new mantra and you know, yeah. even, last, even last night I was singing, working on this one tuning and I'm like, man, I'm like this should really have a mantra. And then just this oh. Adi Shakti uh, mantra is just sitting there and it's usually, I usually oh. sang it C and it's like, oh, I'll try singing this in A. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's the one. <laughs> that's the that's one. Awesome. So I'm learning that one. I just started singing yeah. last night huh. and I usually have to, because when I'm practicing at home, Mm -hmm. all i have is in ears and i can hear what's coming out of my system but then my mm -hmm. wife's in the other room and all she can hear is just my voice so i'm always <laughs> sometimes a little conscious of like because she's really actually quite a really she's a really good singer naturally oh I, I have to work a bit at it like on like yeah. doing thirds fifths and stuff like that so i'm always right. like when she's over in the other room like oh that was a bad note <laughs> like she knows <laughs> yeah she just she'll, awesome. she'll give her, she'll be like yeah you know that one note I'm like yeah i know i know i know so, <laughs> but it's really so like funny. when you're connecting to a mantra yeah you know you can sing it like here's here's your root note right like say your name you can just kind of sing yeah. as they say in in hindustan you can sing sa which is the root note yeah or you can be like okay well let's sing here it's okay so let's move to a third or yeah let's move to this or yeah. just try to find the inflections on it that really allows you to connect to what's going on right that's amazing so then when you perform it you're connected to it emotionally yeah because right? when you connect to something emotionally it's that's what you're vibrating right it's, you know just kind of yeah develops the room as it comes out of the sound system so huh that is so cool so what are your hopes for meditators who come to your sound meditations to start meditating 100%, 100%. i love that yeah, yeah i i want them to have an experience that is profound enough for them to be moved enough to go want to go home and sit with it Mm. and either they're going to take it as a, uh, something to look into mm -hmm. and you know start a meditative practice of their own that's the beauty yeah. of meditation is it's not it's not here you do this and this and this and this, and this. it's like <laughs> hey man it's it's time to put some time in yeah it really is yeah. about putting some time in mm. you know i like that it was uh, uh i've always used this comment but I, uh, I remember one time in Wausau, I got 
um, one of the critiques was, yeah, Ron, you know, he sometimes probably swears a little too much. I was like, I was like, I was cussing up a storm, but I said the word, I said the word shit. <laughs> and I was, it was connecting to a story of Yvonne Chouinard, who's the founder of Patagonia, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's explaining, he's like, Hey, you know, people want, people feel like if they go to Mount Everest, this is going to be their, their experience, right? They just need to get to that. Yeah. Mountain, right? yeah. So For they everyone. go there, they hire the Sherpas, the Sherpas yeah. carry their stuff up, set up a camp. Yeah. They set, they set all the, uh, the, um, set the lines, uh, you know, for them to climb the mountain and the Sherpas help them get up there. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, he's like, it's your, if you want this, right. Meditation, whatever it is, whatever your goal is, right. Mm -hmm. You need to understand and relish in the hardships of the journey right it's mm. meditation there's no end game there really is yeah. never really be an end game right no. meditation is a, is a set path yes there's you know whether you're climbing a mountain or whatever but you could mm. even look as mountains as you just want to go do the next one basically you're saying mm. is like hey you can hire the guy to do all this stuff for you 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 show up to you show up to camp as an asshole you go climb the the, the mountain with the help of everyone else you come down you're still an asshole right? <laughs> because you haven't done the work to to figure out along the way whether you know if you want to use the mountain uh inspirations like you're learning these skills as you progress up the mountain you get to the mountain you relish in what it took for you to get up there and sit in this majesty right that Mm. before you have this experience and then when you walk down you know you have that 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 those hardships again then when you get back you can reflect on what happens well you can link that to meditation right you're sitting there Mm -hmm. you're doing the practice you're doing the practice maybe you're frustrated maybe you're not maybe you connect Mm -hmm. to something right but it's it's that experience of having that meditative practice is is what's training you for what's to come down the road Mm -hmm. right because you can't you can't expect to be like, boom, okay, I'm a guru now, or I'm or this mystic because I've had this, yeah. this my mind blown. It's like, no, it's just not the. You've got a person, depending on the person and their experiences, got so much baggage they have to unwrap and unravel. Uh, unlearning. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the perfect the the perfect meditative meditative person is is a our children because yeah. they're not condition and you'll even hear listen to Sadhguru guru talk about those like education okay. is education is basically adults telling kids to uh, you know to do this and all these other things that didn't work obviously didn't work out for them so well you know interesting you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think our that's the biggest misstep of our western civilization is not paying more attention to how children live their lives mm. a child like in that. its pure awareness they mm. they won't lie they'll tell you how it is they understand connections to just naturally right? mm-hmm. and it's and it took me 40 something years to figure this out right so, <laughs> i love that yeah. that's amazing so i only have two more questions for you um so i feel like my brain is so full because i have so many questions but i'm also like oh I oh, love, no worries. I love no this worries. conversation. I could talk about it forever. But yeah. when you're looking at 
just what's to come, your sound evolving. What are your mm-hmm. biggest goals as you move forward? You know, if you were to ask me that maybe three months ago, I would have said my biggest goal is to, and that's my answer isn't that I'm not, not um, looking at these goals. I'm just Mm -hmm. not as attached to them as I used to be. Uh, You know, the goal basically, (sighs) you know, as a musician, right, your ego or your kind of desire to perform is to progress and play bigger crowds and expand. So, you know, I've tried to find uh, record labels or managers or marketing people and yeah it just kind of you know um i think i'm in such a such a i don't know if it's a weird spot or where i'm at Mm -hmm. you know i'm kind of i'm in between like a performing uh musician on a stage but i'm not very you know it's not like there's not a lot going on right it's about what's happening to you Mm -hmm. and i'm not really just doing Himalayan singing bowls. I'm and please don't take that as like a slight. It's that's <laughs> I'm just I'm a musician, right? My background yeah. is a musician, and that's yeah. that's what I'm doing. Um so I I want to, I would I've always wanted to be a professional musician, right? Mm-hmm. It may or may not uh come to fruition. Yeah. And I'll still approach that. And if the opportunity comes, sure. Yeah. Um, but I still book my own tours, and to be honest, mm-hmm. it can be a real pain in the keister because <laughs> You know, I can only imagine yoga studios, all the garbage email they get and you know, oh my gosh. miss yeah. mine and most don't pick up the phone and it is what it is. Right. It's not the easiest part of it. Yeah. And, but yeah, like I said, you know, I was singing this, uh, this mantra, huh. um, um, uh, let's see, hold on. I think I got it right here. Okay. Yeah, that's it. So huh. this mantra uh, basically means uh, you. It's it's out of uh, it's out of the uh, Bhagavad Gita, right? Yeah. And it's basically this mantra is uh, you have the you have the right to perform your actions, but you are not entitled to the fruits of the actions. Huh. Don't let the purpose of your actions. Uh, don't let the fruit be the purpose of your actions and therefore you won't be attached to not doing your duty. So, so I looked at that as I was singing that mantra, I was like, you know, like, wow, that's really relevant, you know, cause it's yeah. the idea of, of, I mean, of being attached to, Hey, I want to be, you know, I really want to be a professional at this, or I really want this yeah. to be my career. And I want this, I want this, blah, 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 blah. And, <laughs> you know, and then that can has the baggage and attachment because you're like, you're so focused on that. And I was like, wow, okay. And, and, that, and that thought definitely came to me many, many times, but that was really where I kind of sat with it. I'm like, I'm just going to kind of keep doing this and, you mm-hmm. know, I'll reach out to people and try to, you know, try to get an agent or, a marketing person or mm-hmm. but you know uh it's if it's meant to be it's meant to be you know yeah so, that's really that's, so but i would love to you know I'll, I'll definitely you know probably try to book a, a european tour or you know, Ooh. You know or 
to whatever it's just it really comes yeah. down to logistics when you do it oh gosh yeah. yeah when you do it by yourself it's like okay i have to fly expensive equipment on an airplane <laughs> Europe and, yeah but i truly feel and i'm always kind of like trying to step back from the statement but i truly feel that whatever it is that i'm creating is unique in its own right it's my own mm -hmm. voice and i don't think it because you know sometimes things can be copied or mimicked but that's yeah. fine too but yeah. i don't think it just by the my approach i don't think it could really be easily um duplicated so i it's mm -hmm. my own unique voice that i think that yeah. i pulled i pulled back pulled it back with me in mm -hmm. one of my brief kind of um you know toes into this other astral realm that mm -hmm. is like just just getting there is yeah. scary as hell like just the experience yeah. it's the craziest thing like when you have when you have that experience it redefines everything what you what you know about this world wow. just to know that you have that power just through meditation wow. yeah wow it's crazy is that your story from the beginning yeah can for you sure. tell me a little more sure so very common very common um uh, effect of when your awareness is separating from your body is very 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 strong vibrations so when you're doing these affirmations typically you do them in like like the last three like about 3 a.m typically what you do wow. is you get up from sleep with set an alarm get up go to another room that's comfortable start reading a little bit and then just like really put your mind into these affirmations right i'm gonna do this or like really focus and then focus on your breath mm -hmm. and then i kind of fell asleep and then also you feel like this this energy just like builds the back of your neck and wow. just like starts expanding you can feel it ramping up it's literally like someone's stepping on just like turning the dial and huh. it just you're like okay this i've read about this this is happening and you, you got to try to hold your awareness but it's like the whole friggin' room is shaking apart it's crazy it's i i always tell the wow. stories like if you took like a giant metal fork mm -hmm. and you had a massive spinning gong like spinning fast and you just stuck that yeah. fork in and like like the vibration coming from that fork in your body it was just like and that pop and it's just like boom. and then i looked it's just the briefest of seconds it's like oh my god that's me and then poof, i was back down because you're just like oh. what the hell and you're just so like uh okay hmm. I was like okay well that happened and then what Anna and i found myself doing is i really started chasing it okay and that was some years ago and I walked yeah. away from it because like, you know, I think I need to need to get my meditation a little bit more solid and you know, mm. I'll go back to it one day. But the mm. last time something like that happened, I got a friend who does a lot of float tank stuff. I and love float tanks. He says he'll project like he's been doing it so long. He'll project like sometimes three, four times and he's got his own like it's crazy. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did this. Oh. And, and because the, he hardened his uh, those neural pathways. So how, so when do you go into the, when do you typically go into the float tanks? I haven't done it in so long. I've only done it once, but I just, I'm, I love the water. So I've just yeah. always been really connected to water. And so yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. really powerful for me. Like even swimming, floating, anything mm -hmm. like that is so, I wasn't even, I don't want to say this because you can't be bad at meditating, but my only experience with the float tank, I just did mm -hmm. not have a good meditation experience but i sure, love sure. the idea of it and i i 
I just think it's so powerful and so healing in so many ways. Oh yeah. If you want to look at the fibromyalgia or rheumatoid arthritis. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a great way. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very powerful tool. Yeah. Especially if you use it in the morning. So my friend developed this protocol um, where he'll, he'll get in like uh, he's wakes up, gets into a tank, but within an hour, and this had only, only happened to me one time, but I'm convinced that I kind of stole his juju because he was actually in the room next door. <laughs> the first time that I did, it was literally the first time I ever went in early. So okay. I'm laying there, laying there, laying there, just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. And then towards the end, like I could feel the energy started ramping up. I'm like, okay, here we go. Mm. And I started, you literally, I felt like my body was spinning like this way and the room was going counterclockwise. And I tried to hold on to it and it just, I couldn't hold on to it just because it's so mm-hmm. intense. But yeah. then when I stopped and looked up at the ceiling, you like those Alex Gray paintings, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm talking about? No. Pure, basically almost like pure fractal uh, design of like the mm-hmm. brightest, sharpest colors spinning counterclockwise of oh. me. I was like, what? So basically I'd hit something where that DMT was turned on in my brain. And I'm seeing these, you know, but it's like, that was nothing. That was just my, my brain in, in a flow tank. Yeah. Never had it happen again, but huh. again, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Stuff, so. And you're constantly learning. I think that's the magic. Mm-hmm. It's always sure. something new. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's funny. It's like turning 50 in October. It's like, gosh, oh, it's like, congratulations. I wish. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I wish I, uh, eh, and it's not a regret thing. It's like, gosh, you know, all this stuff that you learn you know, when you get older, it's like, you look, I look back at the wasted, not where us are wasted or just the, yeah. the way that I was when I was in my twenties. You know? Okay. It's huh. so what rock advice? and roll. And that, yeah. Huh? Well, I'm 22. What advice do you have for me? I would say start your practice now. Okay. For sure. Cause it, it will, it will make your life that much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just really when you have some type when you're sitting with thoughts or if you have some intuition sit with that whatever it may be sit with that and you know before you make a decision yeah because i always feel that there's uh we're multifaceted awareness is living in multiple and you could even look at the idea of string theory right Mm. sitting in we're multi-dimensional energy beings having a human experience right this is where awareness is now but it doesn't mean that we don't unconsciously aren't living in some other dimensional aspect that's having a uh, same same uh, you know experience and you can look at the idea of um uh unified uh quantum field or unified Mm -hmm. field theory or what they call um uh, quantum entanglement you know, mm-hmm. all this stuff, you know, quantum physics in a way can, can back it up, but it's just Western science that can't even touch yogic mm-hmm. science just because, because yogic science is unbridled, whereas yeah. Western science needs to be able to quantify. And if they can't quantify yeah. it, then as far as Western science is concerned, it doesn't exist. So, That's so yeah, that being said is be aware of your intuition. There's, okay. there's something there. I wish I was more aware of my intuition back in the day, but yeah. this is my path and this is yeah. how it evolved. That's and amazing. It's, it's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. So. I love that. 
Yeah. So I have one more question. I ask all of my guests this mm. and it's my favorite question just because I love the answers that come from it. But if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you not go? Hmm. I don't think I have an answer for that. Just because um, if you want to look at it in the, the, if you want to use the term negative aspect of not, right? I would not go. Yeah. There's a reason why you may think not, but that reasoning is sometimes bolstered by media or you know, historical events or this and that and the other thing. But when you um, break it down at its true essence is those places all have human beings and and creatures and all these lives that are um, having an human experience or or animal experience or plant experience. Hmm. There's all this life there that is unique in its own right. And if you were to if you were to remove the fear of harm in any way right that mm-hmm. would change anything because i would i would be willing to bet that the mountains of afghanistan are probably one of the most beautiful mm-hmm. you know inspiring mountains to ski tour uh, you know of many places mm-hmm. right but it's just you look at political paradigms or war zones or whatever you know, these are all human, uh, human entangled aspects that mm-hmm. that nullify the beauty of of any particular culture or you know, yeah. life life form. So, you know, we just need to be better humans and 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 uh, get our best to say poop in a group and. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, become more in one with nature in the natural order of things, right? It's I love that, that. That is our own uh, not being able to experience people and huh. lives and creatures yeah. and all these other places is the biggest is the biggest shame because yeah, so much beauty out there, right? Yeah, and and it's it's it is what it is. If you look at the if you look at the beauty in life, it uh, it's an inspiring thing. It is. I love that. I think that's my favorite answer. Great. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for mm-hmm. being on the show. I loved every yeah, you bet. thing we talked about. That was amazing. Yeah. You know, there was one thing I wanted to end on. It's from one of my astral projection books. And as the guy talks about in this, I'm going to say this is like a kind of a, what I kind of always use as a, um, as a reflection point whenever things you know seem like disarray or confusing yeah. and he talks about one of his his uh, out-of-body experiences because he journaled and he mm. and he woke he, when he awoke he was in this uh this home in this ocean in this room at a table with all these beings of light mm. and he could tell that the 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 main person speaking to him was uh, of um, let's say of a, a divine female power or energy right mm-hmm. the, 
and she was speaking to me he's like oh the, the ocean is lovely today and she's like yes the ocean is very lovely but we have some we have some things we have to work about she says we're not used to people uh coming to us in an aware state but we'll adjust and so they start this this question and answer session and he starts asking her he's like why is why is life so tough why so much mm-hmm. ignorance why so much hate in this world you know why why is this human life so tough yeah. and her answer to him simply is the school the school is fair but the the school is meant to teach a lesson and so mm-hmm. it, to look at the lesson and develop, you know, one's own awareness based on that lesson. And so what I took from that is, no matter what's going on in your life, look at the lesson. What what do you take away from that experience, whether it be the good or the bad? And understand from my point of view that a human experience literally is just a series of lessons and how you look at those lessons and pay attention to them and apply them to your life is what's Mm -hmm. what makes your life good or bad right Mm -hmm. and i decide to obviously look at the good (laughs) i love that that's a great lesson yeah it's always something that helps me feel better when you know things seem so crazy but they're not yeah it's there's there's so much beauty in the world just have to make sure we pay attention to it Mm, I like that. Where can my listeners find you? Uh, so if you go to shamas.com, uh, it's S-H-A-A-M-A-A-H-S.com. Um, there's going to be a music tab and all other tabs. And if you go to the music tab, there'll be a link to uh, my um, band camp where they can mm-hmm. buy my music. Um, I mostly, if you really want to know where I'm playing, I really only do stuff on Instagram. Okay. I just, I just can't, I can't do all social media. It's just, yeah. it's too much. Put okay. this event here and then, oh, just, it's like, no, yeah. Man. Here's okay. my tour dates. Here's, yeah. here's where the music's at. You yeah. know, so. Cool. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for being on Going You places. bet. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Namaste. That was my interview with Ron Fearing, creator of Shamas. And I hope you stay tuned because we're going to have a part two where he is playing his beautiful sound meditations. So I highly recommend you check it out. Again, I'm so inspired by his work and his constant passion for learning new things and just growing in his practice. His advice was so incredible and important to me of just starting young and also listen to the wise lessons of children. I think that was a great point. So if you liked this episode, I encourage you to check out my other interviews with my amazing guests. Everyone has a lesson and I am constantly inspired. If you like this episode, please feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on all channels and please find Shamas as well on social media. Thank you so much for tuning in and I can't wait to see where you go. Bye!